0: From Parkway Church in Corona, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, hey, and welcome to Parkway Church. I'm super glad that you are with us today. However it is you're tuning in, thanks for being here. Can you just do a, me a quick favor, if you haven't already done so, Um, Just down in the chat section, if you're watching online, can you just let us know you're here? Give us a wave, say hello. Um, shout out. If you're if you're brand new or you've been new the last few weeks um, and you have not yet gone to our Connect form on our webpage and filled that out, can you do that for me, please? Just go to weareparkway.com slash connect. It's a really quick form. It's just your name, maybe email address, just a w- way for us to connect with you. And by by a way of thanks, we're just going to send you a small e-gift just to, to say thanks for being with us. Um, you know, it's still good that we are meeting like this. I know it's not ideal. I know many of us would rather be together, but it's good that we meet however we can. You know, it's good that we come together, we assemble together, and we remember the Lord together. Um, Now, I know we would all rather be um, in the same building together. I'm looking forward to that day. Like I mentioned previously, though, we are using this time to update our worship center. We've put a fresh coat of paint on. It's a brand new color. Uh, we have doing some updates to the stage. We've taken down those, those curtains, if you know what I'm talking about. So we're doing some updates, and I'm looking forward to us using that space. Um, but I need to remind us, I re- need to m- remind you and myself, that the church is not the building, right? The walls do not define us now much of what um, we have done in this building has defined us and there's a sense of grief with that there's a sense of loss Um, but we need to think beyond that the church is is not about walls it's not about mortar it's not about bricks the church um, by definition is a people who've been called out by God um, to assemble together in any form any shape and then go and be the hands and feet of Jesus uh, together Um, so the church has not ceased to be the church The church is still functioning and moving today because we are united around the person of Jesus. So thank you for tuning in today, however it is you're tuning in. Today is Communion Sunday, which means that we're going to take time as believers to... um, um, have communion at the end of this talk as a way of remembering what jesus did on the cross so I, if you haven't already done so i just want you to take time and grab um, a cup with some some juice or water or whatever it may be for you whatever you have on hand and some sort i got one right here um, some sort of cracker or wafer um, whatever you may have on hand so that at the end we can we can just remember to, together now i want to i want to take a moment and and pray before we get started really about what's been happening um, throughout the states lately and what has been taking over media all across North America surrounding the death of George um, Floyd. No doubt you've heard about the death of George Floyd by a white police officer in Minneapolis. Um, This is just one of many recent injustices against the black community. Christian Cooper, uh, Ahmad Aburi, uh, Brianna Taylor uh, and something I heard recently was that this is not new this is just newsworthy there's a systemic racism problem in our culture our culture we are are broken and we need to do better you know all people whether whether black or white, or olive, or brown have been created in the image of God. All people are equal under God. The Bible says that we are to show no partiality. So when so when one of those people groups are hurting, the rest need to step up and show up um, and speak up for for the dignity and worth and value of of, of those of those people. And right now, the black community is a group that is that is hurting um, because there's injustice that needs fixing there's racism that needs eradicating and so i just want us to take a moment to pray and i want us to pray that that jesus would would move across our our government system our our legal system that that he would move um, across our nation across this land that he would move in our hearts and can i just ask you as we pray just ask the Lord to search your heart and maybe reveal something in you that may need to be changed. Because I know that I need some work. I know that we need some work. Um, I know that our land needs some work. Can, can we just pause? Let's pray before we get into the Word. Let's pray for, for those that are, that are facing this right now and just really our nation. Father, you are a good God. You know all things and you see all things. You care about your creation. You care about people who have been created in your image. And right now, Lord, we know that the black community, the African-American community is hurting. And so we just ask by your grace and your mercy, Lord, that your hand would just move and sweep over this land. Lord, there's injustice, there's racism. And Lord, we just need you and your power to, to move and to change, change hearts, change people from the inside out, Lord, move in our government, move in our systems, our, 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 our law systems, Father God. And we just ask in our own selves, God, would you search us and reveal to us areas in our own lives that need to be changed. Help us to, to be people who don't just sit idly by but to who people who step up when we see injustice happening, who speak up when we see injustice happening. Lord, help us to be people who, who show care as you care to all people, um, regardless of, of race or ethnicity or, or, or gender, Father God, or wherever it may be, Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus that we would be more like Christ. And Lord, as we look to your word today, I know that something in, in the word today is going to kind of speak to that. Lord, I pray that we would look to, to Christ and how he lived his life, and we would pattern our life after Christ. We would be changed by the hearing of your word today. So open us up, Spirit. I know that as I, I, I prepared, you were with me, and you're going to help me today. But I pray you'd help us to hear you today. Help us to respond, Lord, and help us to be changed by your word, God. Uh, we bless you, God. This is for your glory. This is for your honor. In the name of Jesus, amen. So grab your Bibles, and you can turn to um, Mark chapter 2, verses 13 and 17, through to 17. Um, We're hanging out in the Gospel of Mark. We've been walking through it. It's found in the New Testament. It's the second book of Matthew. Uh, One of my favorite genres in the Bible is narrative. I like story. I'm driven by story. And this is Mark's narrative of the life and, and ministry of Jesus. And what he's doing is he's writing to reveal who Jesus is and how he became the Messianic King to an audience made up of primarily Roman and Gentile believers. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 2, and I just want to keep that open. And as you're turning there, I just want to, I want to start by talking about food. I, I love food. Food has a way of bringing people together. And, and probably all the things that, that I get to do in life, um, it's one of my favorite things is to eat to eat food. I like food. Um, It's maybe because I have hollow legs. At least that's what my parents tell me. Um, They still tell me. Um, Maybe I still have them. Um, But I like food. One of my favorites is is roast dinner, the roast dinner. You know, you got your your roasted potatoes or mashed potatoes, your peas and and your corn, and maybe some cooked carrots in there. You know, you got got your Yorkshire puddings and a a mouth-watering, piece of roast beef sorry to all my vegan and vegetarian friends i'm with you but this is where i fall short because this is and then to top it all off a little a little bit of gravy not a little bit a good amount of gravy not too thick not too thin just just perfect and that this is delectable but don't add any of that crazy stuff to it turnips and Cranberries, Like, that's just not meant to be there. Another one of my favorites is pizza. Pizza is classic. Nothing makes me feel closer to heaven in the food community than, than good pizza. I love pizza. Now, some of you put that crazy stuff on there, like pineapple on pizza. And something inside of me, and I think it's me, tells me that that's the devil's handiwork. It shouldn't be there, but I, I love pizza. Food has a way of bringing people together. The table... The table where a meal is shared is a sacred place. Not only is food shared, but stories are swapped and sins are confessed, and there's laughter and there's tears and there's prayer. You know, for our family, uh, the table, the dinner table has really been a place where we've taught our kids to pause and, and pray. I love, I love food and I love meals, and I know that God does too, because throughout the scriptures, God had designed us to come around. Food to come together around a meal. Celebration after celebration, festival after festival, meal after meal um, is centered around food. You know, in the end times, the Bible talks about that there's going to be this big feast in heaven and you know it's going to be good because God's going to be cooking, so you know it's going to be great. Fellowship around the table is significant. Significant. And the story that we're looking at today in Mark chapter 2, Centers around a table, a meal that is shared between Jesus and some others. But there's a little bit of a twist to this one because the meal that Jesus is sharing with these people, these are people who other people think Jesus shouldn't be spending time with. So let's grab our Bibles. Um, I've called this the sinner's table. Mark chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 13. Verse 13. It says this once again. Let me just pause there. Once again, in the comments, I just want you to write once again. Or if you're driving right now, just shout out once again. Or, you know, elbow your your spouse or your kid. Or, you know, if you're with somebody, shoot somebody a text and just say once again. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him. And he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. but sinners. So here we have this story of conflict that happens between this group of Pharisees, these religious teachers, and Jesus. And it centers around this encounter with a guy named Levi. So once again, Jesus is by the lake and a crowd gathers. And I love that because Jesus, even Jesus likes to go by the lake. If you're going to have crowds gather you, might as well do it by the lake. So they came to him and he begins to teach them. They came to him, and he begins to teach them. See, the Spirit draws people to hear the Word of God. Wherever the presence of God is, the Spirit of God is, you will have people gathering to hear the Word of God. And any time that Jesus or people came to Jesus, he taught them. Every conversation, every interaction became an opportunity for him to teach. Now, something hit me in my spirit as I was reading this, and it's this. The Spirit is going to draw people to you, so that he can teach and touch them through you. The spirit that is in you is going to draw people to you so that he can touch and teach people through you. You know, as followers of Jesus, we are vessels of the spirit of God. And the Bible says that the spirit is living within us, that he guides us, that he leads us. Um, And he's going to bring people along our way, along your way, as you do life in order for you to influence them with the gospel. Recently, um, a legend in the faith, I call him a legend in the faith, Dr. Ravi Zacharias uh, passed away. Um, he was a brilliant Christian apologist. He defended the Christian faith um, through reason and, and logic. He was a renowned, world-renowned speaker and author of many books. His ministry greatly impacted my life. I'm kind of a little bit like the disciple Thomas. I ask a lot of questions, and Dr. Ravi Zacharias had a way of masterfully answering um, even the toughest of questions. Um, now, he just died a number of weeks ago uh, to an aggressive form of cancer, And his daughter wrote this in his obituary. She said this, It was his Savior Jesus Christ that my dad always wanted most to talk about. Even in his final days, until he lacked the energy and breath to speak, he turned every conversation to Jesus and what the Lord had done. He turned every conversation to Jesus and what the Lord had done. That reminds me of Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. It says, How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news." And this was really the life and ministry of Jesus. He used every opportunity to share the gospel. And it's, and it's how we should really pattern our lives, using opportunities that come our way to share the truth about Jesus with people. There are going to be people that God brings in your life so that you can influence them with the gospel. The spirit that is in you is going to draw people to you so that he can teach and touch them through you. It's your your neighbor. It's your coworker. It's the people that you keep bumping into, the people that keep crossing your path as you go throughout life. The spirit is going to draw people to himself so that they can hear the word of God. And so the spirit that is in you is going to draw people to you so that he can touch and train them uh, through you. So it says that, that Jesus was walking along in the text, Jesus was walking along and he saw Levi sitting at a tax collector's booth. And he says, Come follow me. Now, most rabbis they would they would in the first century they would teach in this way as they just walked along, as they did life. So Jesus is teaching and he's and he's doing life and he comes along, this guy named Levi sitting in a tax collector booth. Now Levi is a very interesting person for Jesus, a rabbi, to ask to follow after him. Levi is also called Matthew in the other gospels. Um, some say Levi is his given name and Matthew's his apostolic name. Some say that Levi is his Hebrew name and Matthew's his Greek name, which was not uncommon for a Jew at that time. Levi becomes one of the 12 apostles. He's the writer of the book of Matthew. That's his name, right? Matthew. Um, so when you read the book of Matthew, you're reading about this, this, the narrative of Jesus um, based on this guy's account. And so, so, so Jesus comes across this guy named Levi, but Levi is a tax collector. Interesting guy for Jews to call. Levi is a tax collector. He's a Jew employed by Romans to, to collect taxes from other Jews. Nobody likes tax collectors. If you've, if you've been in, in and around church, you know this, right? They, in Levi's day, they were hated by the Jews because they were considered traitors and extortionists. They would cheat. They would manipulate. They would rip people off to get a greater cut of the tax. They were selfish. They were greedy, and they were liars. And so Jesus, while he's teaching others along the way, he sees this guy, and he looks at him, and he says, You come follow me. Now, you have to remember what that meant for a Jew in that time. We talked about this a few weeks ago when Jesus called the other disciples. And when a, when a rabbi would say that, he was basically saying, you can be like me. So he's looking at, at this tax collector, and he says, you, it's basically like he's saying, you greedy, you, you traitor, you selfish cheater, you can become a part of my movement. You can be like me. Even you can do what I do. In fact, I want you to be a part of my crew. I want you to learn from me, and I want us to change the world together. That's essentially what he's saying. Now, this is a a huge, 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 huge deal. And I think somebody needs to hear this today because it shows that even the most vile people can be changed and do what Jesus does. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter the mistakes you made. You can be a part of the family of God today. It doesn't matter what business dealings you were in. Jesus can use you. And I think all of us can agree to that. Yes, it doesn't matter about your past because he can take your life and he can use it for his good and for his glory. But what if I told you that as a pastor of this church, I'm going to choose 12 guys. I'm going to choose 12 guys and they're going to be part of my inner circle. They're going to learn and they're going to lead ministry in the church. But, but the guys that I chose, you knew to be treacherous. Like you knew their past and they were people that, that cheated other people. Well, oh, pastor, man, you don't know them like I do. Well, oh, shoot, I don't. But, but Jesus looks at Levi, and it's like he's saying to the crowd, you know his past, but I know his future. Like you, you know what he was, but I know what he can become. See, God's call on your life is not based on your past. It's based on the future he sees for you. If you're listening and you think that because of your past and your mistakes and the business that you are part of and who you are that Jesus can't use you, you are sadly mistaken and you are ignorant of the scriptures because throughout the scriptures, God uses people who others would consider unworthy. He uses the least of these to shame the strong. He takes the sinner, and he makes them the sin. He takes a cheater, he takes a, a greedy manipulator, and he makes them a gospel dealer. God can use you if you follow after him. God can use you if you follow after him. Now, this is a big deal for Levi. This is a big deal for Levi because if you were a fisherman, and you left your trade, and you went to follow after a rabbi, and things didn't work out, you could easily go back to fishing. You know, but for a tax collector, if you left that job, that was a sought-after job. It was an occupation that made you rich quick. And so it's likely that job wasn't there when he would return. So for Levi, this is him saying goodbye to his old way of life. This is him saying, um, I'm saying goodbye to that, and I'm starting into something completely new. So it's a completely big, big deal. He's saying goodbye. Jesus is giving him a brand new fresh start. And I wonder for, for Levi, if he's thinking, as a Jew, this is my opportunity to change. This is my opportunity to have a fresh start. And I don't know if you're listening today, but I think somebody feels like they need a fresh start. I think somebody feels like they need, they need, they need to start over. Well, that's who Jesus is. He's the person who can take your past and he can give you an opportunity, and he can change you in such a way that gives you a brand new future. He he takes your old identity and he washes it away, and he gives you a new identity. I don't care about what your past is. I don't care about the mistakes you made. The forgiveness of God and the redemption found in Jesus says, do you know what? It doesn't matter. What matters is what I did on the cross, and what I did on the cross gives you a new identity and gives you a new future. See, Jesus is in the business of changing lives. And that's why for us as a church, our mission, our mandate is for everyone to experience Jesus in a life-changing way. We believe it. It's what drives us. It's what fuels our ministry. It's why we're still doing this. And so Levi, he's beyond himself. he throws this big party for all of his buddies, right? There's a big barrel of wine, there's loud music, and everybody is here and and, and partying and celebrating. Now, it's likely that this is a farewell party, but I think, more importantly, Levi's wanting to show his friends, he's wanting to show his coworkers and his peers the person that gave him a fresh start, a new opportunity, and really changed his life. And what are they doing? They're eating a meal at a table. They're having a meal together. They're sharing food together. This group of many tax collectors, it says, many tax collectors. Greedy, selfish, manipulative, cheaters, and sinners. The people who don't follow the religious do's and don'ts. The people who are not following after God. The people who are not um, uh, following the Mosaic law. They're sitting here and they're eating with Jesus. Now, For Jesus, this was a big social no-no. People like Jesus, rabbis in this culture, didn't do that. You know, there was a time in the Christian church. I don't know if you were here at this time in the church where people didn't go to movie theaters or Christians didn't go to movie theaters. They didn't play cards. They didn't go to dances because that was like pineapple on pizza, right? It was like it was a Christian no-no. It was the devil's handiwork. Well, this is kind of like that. A religious teacher, a rabbi, you didn't associate with any person that we would con- or they would consider to be sinners. You know, rabbis, spiritual leaders um, in Jesus' day, they enjoyed widespread respect. They were held in high regard, high esteem. They were examples in godliness. They were guardians of the law and tradition, and everybody looked up to them. And so, in this position, they they didn't associate themselves with. They avoided people who did not follow after the law. People who didn't who didn't appear to be like them. They avoided wrongdoers. Do- they, they, they would never have been um, seen associating with tax collectors. They would never, ever sit down to have a meal with sinners. Because to sit down a meal, for a meal in the ancient world was a sign of fellowship, it was a sign of relationship, and it was a sign of intimacy. So the Pharisees are beside themselves. What is he doing? Does he know that that he's with those people? Does he know what kind of people he's with? Does he know what they've done? Does he know who they are? Why is he eating with, with tax collectors and sinners? And so Jesus does what he often did, and he used this as an opportunity to teach. And he says this, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. There's there's no statement in, in the Gospel of Mark that's probably more profound than this one. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. See, Jesus, he broke societal taboos. He condemned the legal system of attaining righteousness. You are not righteous. You are not found in right standing with God because of anything you do. But recognizing your need for God and his grace. So eating at the sinner's table... Jesus shows that he's looking beyond culture, and he's looking beyond mistakes, and he's looking beyond your business dealings, and he's looking to people's hearts. Where the Pharisees disregarded people because of their past behavior, Jesus is looking for the spiritual need. He's going to people who, who need to know the forgiveness and grace uh, uh, of God, to, that need to know that repentance was available. And if Jesus is going to reach these kind of people, he's got to get in contact with these people. How are people going to find out about Jesus unless we're in contact with him, unless we're building relationship? And he didn't just go and preach to them. He sat down for a meal. He sat down for fellowship. He sat down for intimacy. He was building friendships. Build friendships. Build friendships. And this was his pattern all the time. He chatted with the despised Samaritan woman at the well. Even when his disciples, his followers, were surprised. He forgives an immoral woman, someone the Pharisee couldn't believe Jesus would even let touch him. He helps a Phoenician woman, he touches lepers, he he enters Zacchaeus' house and he eats with him again and again. Jesus goes to where the Pharisees, the religious people thought, you know, religious people shouldn't go. Jesus goes and he touches the untouchable and he loves the unlovable. And he doesn't let social no-nos dictate who he spends time with. His heart was for reaching people with great spiritual need. He looked beyond um, what society said. You know, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to the heart of God, the more you begin to care about the spiritual needs of others. The more you grow in your faith and the more you are transformed into the likeness of Jesus, the more your heart is drawn to people who are far from him and need him because that's his heart. At the same time, the more self-righteous you are, the more you find right standing with God in yourself or something you do, the further you are from, from, from Jesus, from the heart of Jesus. The more you begin to separate yourself from the spiritual needs of others, it becomes an us versus them. And that was the Pharisees. That was these teachers. How could Jesus eat with them? Because that is who he came for. He came for sinners. He came for broken people. He came for people who had need. He came to fix the problem. He came for people like you and me. And the beauty is in this is while we're still sinners, he sat at our table. While we were still sinners, he sat at our table and he fellowshiped and he had a meal. and He built relationship. See, Jesus saw people. He didn't see labels. Jesus didn't let social status or norms dictate his relationships. He didn't require people to change before going to them. He extended fellowship. He extended relationship. And through relationship came life change. Why do you think people were drawn to Jesus? The spirit in them drew him. Because he was caring. He was loving. He was kind. He was compassionate. If we're going to be like Christ, if we're going to have the heart of Jesus, if we're going to be the church of Jesus, then we need to do the same. We need to do the same. Extending an invitation to come to the table through relationship, through fellowship, through meal, through food. And that doesn't mean waiting till they come to us. It means going to them. Jesus went to Levi's party. Jesus accepted the invitation from Levi. We have to have a willingness to go against social taboos, not allowing society, prejudice, or a religious spirit dictate who we build relationship with. Because all people are fallen. All people need the grace of God. We're going to sit at another table together and have communion. Communion is our way as believers, as followers of Jesus, followers of the way to intentionally pause and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made um, so if you if you have them prepared, or I want you to grab those elements, that again, that cup of juice or or whatever it may be for you, water and whatever you have on hand, and that wafer um, or that cracker, bread, whatever may you may have. You know, I I think we need to ask ourselves, do we have in us the mind and heart of Jesus who wants all people to know forgiveness and salvation? Or does there exist in us a pharisaical attitude? A mindset that it's us versus them. If there is any person of color, race, ethnicity, religion, gender, sex, demographic status that we wouldn't eat a meal with around a table or we would condemn others for doing so, then there may be something broken in us. That's a tough pill to swallow. That's the beauty of the gospel, though. Because in Jesus, all races, all languages, all cultures, all gender, all sexes are extended grace, are extended mercy through his love, not just an elite few. Now, let me me say this. Make no mistake that Jesus is the first to say, go and sin no more. He wants you to come as a sinner, but he wants you to change you. He wants to give you new life and new opportunity. He wants to forgive your sin and wants you to sin no more. But he extends the grace and mercy to everybody everybody gets a chance to sit at the table. Everybody gets a chance to eat meal with Jesus. Everybody has opportunity. We need to show the same. So that sinner's table, that meal that that Jesus had with those tax collectors and with Levi, that wouldn't be his last meal. In fact, his last meal, he sat down with his disciples and he he taught them that through a meal to remember the sacrifice he made that while we we're still sinners, he would die for us. And he taught us to remember his body that was given, his life that was given. He taught us to remember the blood that, that, that would cover our sin. And so he took bread and he broke it and he said, remember, and he took the cup and he drank it and he said, remember. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab that cracker, that wafer, that bread, and this is our way of saying, Jesus, I remember the sacrifice you made that while I was a sinner, you came to me, you sought after me, you sat at my table, you changed my life, and you gave me a new, fresh start. And so we take it, and we remember the sacrifice and life of Jesus. Let's, let's do that together. Lord, I just thank you for your life. And I thank you that you gave your life for us. Lord, I thank you that on the cross, you took all of our sins, you took all of our mistakes, all of our, our poor decisions, our wrongdoings. Lord, you took it all upon yourself out of grace and mercy and love. You said, we can't do it, but I'll do it for you. You took it upon yourself. And because you did, Lord, we can come before you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your body that was given. Thank you for the sacrifice you made. In Jesus' name. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant. He's like, this is the new covenant. No longer is it about the fair, pharisaical legal system. No longer is it about the religious do's and don'ts. It's not about that. It's about my grace. It's about my sacrifice. It's about the perfect sacrifice. But what I'm about to do to cover all sin. And so he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that, has been, that will be given, that is given as a, as a covering for all of your wrongs, of all your sins, of all your missing the marks and mistakes. So let's take the cup together and let's remember that Jesus paved the way. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just thank you again that you gave your life, but also, Lord, your blood, that your blood is the perfect sacrifice that covered our sin. Lord, that all of our sin, past, present, and future, is, is taken upon the cross, that you forgive us, your grace is extended to us. And I pray that we'd recognize that, Lord, as believers, as followers, Lord, that in this moment we'd, we intentionally pause and just remember the sacrifice you made. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I want us to be the kind of people at Parkway Church that accept the invitation to eat with people who are far from God. You know, sometimes I have to ask my question, am I only surrounding myself with people who are like me or am I surrounding myself with people who also aren't like me? That's what Jesus did. He went to people who needed him. Extend the invitation to those who need forgiveness. Be like Jesus and eat with everybody, even if others think they're not worthy. The table is for all people. It's for all people. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you'd know God. I want to pray that you'd find freedom in God. I want to pray that you'd discover your purpose in God. I want to pray that you'd get new life change in Him, um, regardless of your understanding or knowing or knowledge or, or relationship depth. Um, I want to pray for you. So would you bow your heads? Let's pray one last time. Father, we just thank you again that we have opportunity to come together. Lord, even in this format, once again, Thank you that your word, God, was with us, that we are changed by it, Spirit, that you speak through it, that even as I share, you speak to hearts. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you just change us by it, Lord, help us to remember that you were the kind of Lord, you're the the kind of person that used every opportunity to share the gospel, to teach, Lord, that you went to people who were were broken and needed uh, forgiveness, needed grace, that you did not... Show partiality to any person, to any elite group of people. But even the, even the sinners, even the, the disregard, even the unworthy you went to, help us to have that mindset. Lord, there's people here, all of us, God, we, I, I just pray that we come to know you. Maybe there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord, as Savior, as God, as, as Jesus. Maybe they're like a Levi, they're sitting in a tax collector's booth and they need salvation. You can speak to their heart to change them. Do so right now. Lord, there's people who who are hung up on habits and addictions and things that they need to find freedom in. I just pray for freedom in the name of Jesus. Your word says where the spirit is, there's freedom. So spirit, move forth in Jesus' name. God, there's people who who know you and found you but are yet walking in their purpose. So I pray that you'd help them to know and discover their gifts, Lord, in the name of Jesus so that they can make a difference. Lord, all of us, God, we've either been changed by you or we need to be changed by you. But I love the story of, of Levi because here's a man who has given a fresh start in you. And so I pray, Father, God, we be either grateful for the fresh start or we look to the fresh start. God, we continue to pray for... The pandemic around this world, we ask that you lift it, Lord, that you be upon our healthcare system and our frontline workers. Bless them. Help us not to walk in a spirit of fear, but recognize that all sickness and disease and, and um, ailments, God, you took to the cross, Lord. You, you, you took upon yourself so that we didn't need to. In the name of Jesus, you went to the Father. And so we just uh, pray for that, Lord. I also think, once again, of our, our black community, Lord, the a- African-American community, Lord, that's... that's uh, um, uh, faced with what's going on in the world, the injustice and the racism. Lord, help us to do better as a church. Help us to do better as a people. Lord, uh, let us search ourselves to see if there's anything in us that needs to be changed. But we just pray in the name of Jesus that, that a move of God and a move of power would just, would just sweep across our nation. God, we need you. We need you, God. We need your power. We can't do it without you. We need change. Lord, ultimately, we pray you're blessed, that you're glorified. And Lord, just touch every life and, and bless every life that's tuning in today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Listen, Jesus sees you wherever you are, however you're listening. He loves you and he's got you. I pray that you're blessed and I pray that your life is filled with hope this week in God. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, We are Parkway. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.